The title of the sermon today, O Holy Night. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 11, says the following. Um, the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 11, better. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You all know that Jesus was born in the city of David, from the lineage of David. He was a descendant of Judah. Remember that Judah was one of the twelve original tribes of Israel. I say it original because later on it was changed. Uh, two tribes were changed. In Genesis chapter 49, and more precisely verses 8 through 12, we read about a special blessing that Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, Israel. And Jacob, right before he dies, he calls his children and he prays a blessing, a very special blessing upon each one of them. He, Jacob, had learned through the struggles of life, when you study his life carefully, you know how many mistakes he made throughout his life. And towards the end of his life, he has taken to the land of, uh, of Egypt, to an area called Goshen. But one interesting point, when you read the story of Jacob arriving in Egypt, he has a conversation with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And in the conversation, he answers Pharaoh by saying this, Oh, in my own words, he says, Oh, you do not know what I have been through. I have been through a lot in life. In other words, I have lived all my life struggling with so many things, but I think that now I am better, better than when I first began. I have learned that my life is totally God's. My life belongs to him. He has blessed me. He has guided me. Now I let him lead. And so he filled with the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 49. Verses 8 through 12. He prays a blessing on the tribe of Judah. And this is the blessing. Remember that Judah is the one from whom Jesus had his uh, lineage. He uh, was born. And the blessing on Judah is the following. In verse 9, we just skipped verse 8 and let's go to verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp or a lion's puppy. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up and stooped down 
He couched as a lion and as an old lion who shall arouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of all the people be. Verse 11. Binding his foal in unto the vine, and his ass's coat unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. An interesting blessing about the future of, the tri of, of Judah and of his tribe and of his generation and what would happen then, before we go to the details of what the, the meaning of those blessings, I'd like you now to pray to yourself, uh, pray God for yourself to understand the message. Pray that the speaker here, a feeble channel that I am, may be used by God in explaining this and the importance of this message for us. And I will pray for you. We will do it in just a few seconds. You bow your heads and pray silently for you, for the message, and for me. And I will do the same. Amen. Amen. Now, the summary of this text is that Judah should be a strong and courageous tribe. Judah is compared to a lion enjoying the satisfaction of his power and success. Interesting that the 12 tribes of Israel, most of them ended up mixing and mingling with other nations and they disappeared. They were gone from their existence as tribes, and they became they were assimilated by other nations. The left of all those, the leftover of all those tribes that decided to stay together, formed the nation of the the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. And Judah alone became the, king, the kingdom of Judah. And later on, even Israel disappeared and only Judah stayed. The prophecy of uh, Jacob many, many, many years earlier fulfilled in the history of God's people. And Judah became that one powerful nation. Judah should be the royal tribe. The tribe from which the Messiah, Messiah the Prince, should come. The word Shiloh is connected with the word Shalom, means peace, a peaceable and prosperous one. Shiloh is the peaceable, a reference to Jesus, of the prosperous one who shall come from Judah. 
Much of what is said here concerning Judah is to be applied to Jesus. Jacob then was praying a blessing over Judah, saying that the Savior of the world will be born from you. In him there is plenty of what of all which is nourishing and refreshing to the soul. Nourishing, wine and milk, and refreshing to the soul. Here is Jesus, the true vine. The true wine is an appointed symbol of his blood that would be spilled out to save the world. All the blessings of his gospel are wine and milk to be bought. You can buy it, but without money. Have you ever gone to a store that you can buy things without money? If you find that store, tell me. I want to go shop, sh shopping there. But in this plan, God has the ultimate gift, the ultimate blessing, the ultimate um, object or thing that you can buy but without money. Anyone can buy it. The blessings of his gospel are wine and milk to be bought without money and without price. To which every thirsty soul is welcome. Are you thirsty? Have you been thirsty for eternal life? You know, you may not remember, and I doubt that you do not remember, but many of us, we tend to forget. And here, you may not remember. But if life goes at this pace, we will all die. Life will come to an end. So are we humanity to look at life and say, is it all that there is? In this world, we, just, we are just born and live and die. God's plan in Jesus is that we not only may enjoy good life now, but his ultimate plan is for us to enjoy eternal life. Many of us may fall asleep in death, but if doing so, he or she does it believing in God. He will give you eventually immortal life, eternal life. And we believe that according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ, those who died believing in Christ, shall rise first. Then we who are alive shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. So when God comes in the clouds of heaven, there will be a number of people living. And you may be among them. But here in this evil world, you need, we all need his protection. 
to still be living when he shows himself in the clouds of heaven because all that the enemy wants to do is to destroy us, to take us, our lives, the breath of life from us. The blessings over Judah by Jacob is clarified when we read in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Can you buy anything to eat without money? Here's one little thing. And still you have to, to use money at a certain point in time. But to raise your own food is the same as to print your own money. But that is the closest we can get to getting food without paying for it. But you do have to work raising your food. So nothing is for free. But the greatest gift of all, the very gift of eternal life, the one which we all, humanity, all so eagerly await for. I don't want to die. And I want to ask you that question. Do you want to die? No. I know the answer already. So the invitation in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1, Come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. What does that mean? Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he, he will abundantly pardon. Let me just dwell on verse 6. Going back to verse, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Is there any moment in time, in life, that God disappears and he cannot be found? Is there any moment in time that God goes so far away from us that he is no longer near? So that means that I am the one that disappear. I am the one who drift away and go so far from him. What it, this is talking about here is him not being found. Not that he went and hid himself. Him being near. Him uh, near not that he went far away from you. One of us, either him or us or me, did that action of hiding myself, being so far away from him that I cannot reach him. That happens spiritually and also literally when we die, right? Because there is no life in the grave. In the very beginning of the Bible, of, of the Holy Scriptures, we see 
the predict, prediction that Jesus, the very Son of God, that according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, uh, John 1, 1 to 3 and verse 14, Jesus, the Christ, He was the very one who created the entire world and created you and me According to Genesis chapter 1, 26, let us make man unto our image according to our likeness. This Jesus, the Son of God, in the Bible, it says, in the very beginning of the Bible, it says that he would be born among men to live and die for their sins. When that prediction was made, it took 4,000 years when Jesus was born in this earth, which was 2,000 years ago. And you see the many stories about uh, the prophecies in the Old Testament, in the beginning of the Bible, about the birth of the Son of God among men. One example is the story of uh, Balaam in um, Balaam, in the book of uh, Numbers chapter 22. Balaam was a, a non-Israelite prophet. He was like more like a, a, a sorcerer, uh, an enchanter, a diviner. He, he practiced witchcraft, in other words. Easier for us to understand. Balaam refused to speak what God didn't speak. You know, uh, he was invited to speak a curse on the nation of Israel. But when he opened his mouth, instead of cursing them, he blessed them. Because ultimately, God was the one leading them and protecting them. And in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, this pagan prophet who was called to curse the Israelites, he makes a prophecy. He prophesies the birth of Jesus, who would come and save not only the Israelites, but the whole world. Numbers 24, verse 17, I see him, but not now. You know, he is saying, I see him. I see Jesus, the Son of God, but not now. I behold him, but not near. And look at this. We celebrate uh, the birth of Christ around this time of the year, even though this was not exactly the period that he was uh, born on earth. It was more like some, sometime during the fall, September, October. But look at this. We focus on the star that guided the wise man that came from the, the far east. And here, 4,000 years earlier, this pagan prophet says these words, a star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of what? Tumult. And destroy all that is evil in this world. Jesus came. Has he destroyed all the things that are evil in this world? Not yet. But he has begun that process. He is waiting for every single one 
that has been living in the darkness of this world without him to accept him. Then he will eventually come back and fulfill that that he has promised, which is to destroy the sons of Tumult, to destroy all that is evil. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. The Lord is the one who created us, the source of life, the maintainer of life, the one who will give us eternal life, and us living with him, we will enjoy eternal life. The Messiah is to be a conqueror and a destroyer of all that is evil. It begins 2,000 years ago, and here we are at basically the very last chapter of that story, and he will come to fulfill his promise in our days. Job, also. In Job chapter 19, verse 25. Way back, the very beginning of scriptures, prophesies this. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall, and I know that he shall stand at last on earth. Going back to Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 12 now. He, Jesus, will set up a banner for the nations. What is a banner? A sign? Well, you try to define a banner. A banner, best definition for a banner is banner. Because you know what is a banner. A banner is to announce, announce something, right? A banner can be seen as a flag. A flag announces which nation that is. Right? A banner gives an announcement. Tell others. A banner tells others that don't know of that message. Who, what, or who is the banner here that will tell others and let others know of his existence, of his reality? No, you are. I am the banner. Isn't his name written in us, in our character? Don't we proclaim him? Don't we, by the way we live, the things we eat, the things we drink, the things we think of, the things we read, the things we watch, the things we say, even when we are driving and someone cuts in front of us, we don't say those words, don't even think of them, but we say, oh Lord, have mercy and bless this soul. Because we are Christians here. This woman stops at the light. And another lady right behind her steps on the brake and she opens the window of her car and she utters those words that we cannot even think of. Her cars have all these Bumper stickers of all kind. 
saying, I am a Christian. I love God. I am saved. I am pure. You are not. All those things that people think is a way of preaching the gospel. Now, she didn't see that the police car was right behind her. He came and took her to prison. Locked her up. Took her to prison. And in questioning her, she said, Why did you take me? Brought me here? Why did you bring me here for that? He said, You know, lady, it was not because of the, all the evil things you were saying. But because the things that you were saying and the things that I saw written on your car, I truly thought that the car was stolen. That it did not belong to one who would say such words. The things that we say. We are the banner. He will set up a banner for the nations. You know the word nations here is the word for Gentiles also. Gentiles means those who do not know and accept God. And we will assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. This banner will bring all God's children together. In John chapter 12 verses 32 and 33, And I, Jesus says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Now, here's uh, an explanation of this thought. Jesus is saying that if I die, that Calvary death for the world, there will be the means through which the entire world will be saved. But he says it in a way that if I am lifted up, have you proclaimed the death of Christ to others as the means through which they may be saved? Most of this world, if not the entire world, does not know that they can be saved, that we all can be saved if we believe Christ. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2? I have determined to know nothing among you but Christ, except Christ and Him crucified. Paul is uttering these words by saying that the most important thing to me is that Christ was crucified for my sins. And that is something that I want to talk about. With everyone. Have you been talking about the crucifixion of Christ. His death for you. Indicating to others that you have been saved. Because you believe it. So that they may believe and also be saved. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 3 to 9. It says this is exactly what happened to him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we have all been saved. You know, the word healed, that is a word that many other translations is used as saved. We have been healed. Healed from the curse of sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Pay attention to this word. The word Lord there. How is it spelled? Capital letter? Small case letter. Every single time you see the word Lord, you will see it in the Bible, spelled all in capital letters. That word in capital letters is the word for the tetagrammaton, Y-H-W-H, which is Yahweh. You cannot pronounce it. It's so sacred. It's all in capital letters. The word Adonai, the word Yahweh, just going back, means the one who is. He doesn't have a beginning or end. He is eternal, who is. The word Adonai means my Lord. And that word Adonai, when translated into English, is this word here, capital and the rest in small case. And that word, my Lord, is a direct reference to Jesus. And if you read this text again with that in mind, let us read it this way. Because it seems like God the Father laid upon his son, right? No. But here's what the text is saying. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This word him here is a passive that indicates he has laid on himself. Jesus took the, offered himself. He laid on himself the iniquities of us all. Okay? He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the, sh what? Sharers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who, who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. Was he in heaven? No. So he was in the no man's land. He was expelled from earth by humanity itself. Because of their sins. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. 
And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any, what? Deceit in his mouth. In other translations, this word deceit is the word guile. But let's stay with a more common word, deceit. What is a deceit? What is a deceit? People say it's a lie. Actually, a deceit is enough truth, but not total truth. Enough to make one fall to deceive someone. In other words, you may be telling 99% of the truth, but with a little bit of lie there, that makes a deceit. In other words, deceit was not found in his mouth, not even 1% of wrong he did. He never sinned. My favorite author in the book, Desire of Ages, page 48, and I close with her words. This author is Ellen G. White, and she says this. Pay close attention. In the story of Bethlehem is hidden the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. We marvel at the Savior's sacrifice in exchange in the throne of heaven for a manger. Human pride stands rebuked in his presence. Yet, this was but the beginning of his condescension. It would have been an almost infinite humiliation for the Son of God to take human's nature, even when Adam stood in innocence in Eden. In other words, if Jesus had come in the nature of Adam, before Adam had fell into sin, it would have been a great Infinite humiliation for him already. But how did he come? But Jesus accepted humanity when the race had been weakened for by 4,000 years of sin. He came just like one of us, knowing what is to be tempted, but not to give in and stay true to the Father even unto death, and that is why they put him to death. Like every child of Adam, you and I, like us, he accepted the results of the working of the law of heredity. You know, the works of the law of heredity, you know some of the problems that you have that you were born with? Call your mommy and daddy and say, it's your fault. Or your grandpa. Heredity. Defects. Not only physical, but emotional. It's passed on. And that had been passed on for 4,000 years. And that is when Jesus came. Like every child of Adam, he accepted the results of the working of the law of heredity. These results were shown in the history of his earthly Ancestors. In other words, all his ancestors, all his 
His parents, his grandparents, his great-great-grandparents, his great-great-great-great-grandparents were not perfect. They were all ruined by sin. Just one example. Ahab, Rahab, Rahab from Jericho, she was not a Jewish woman. Actually, not even as a pagan woman, she was not good in her very own society. She was a harlot. This is a good word uh, to not say bad words here. Harlot. That is Rahab. Later on we have who? Ruth. Ruth also a Moabitess woman. Not from uh, Jewish lineage. We had then uh, Hagar. Bathsheba and later Tamar. All of them, the order, all before Tamar. Not a Jewish woman. And Bathsheba, not a Jewish woman. They all had a tremendous issue with, 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 with character. Not belonging to the people that God first called. And also, Judah, for example. And he's the father, the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. His son, Perez, is his son with Tamar. However, Tamar is not his, was not his wife. It was his daughter-in-law. So, these results were shown in the history of his earthly ancestors. He, Jesus, came with such a heredity to share our temptations and give us the example of sinless life. Therefore, if we ever use an excuse like, I am weak. I am a sinner. This is a habit that is in my blood, in my family. We have no excuse. Jesus had that plus much more. But he gave us the example of a sinless life. To let us know that in him we also can live a sinless life. Believing that in him I can, I may be saved. And my friend, my brother, my sister, my brothers and sisters here today. If there has ever been an opportunity for us, all of us to be saved and inherit eternal life. That opportunity is today. Is now. And as we celebrate this season of the year. Where we are reminded of the birth of, uh, of Jesus. Who was born as one of us. To give us an example of sinless life. And then 
to eventually die for our sins and be raised from the dead and to go home and prepare us a home and to come back and receive us unto himself. The opportunity that we have is today. Will you take advantage of this opportunity and renew your relationship with him? However close it already is, but to renew it? Or if it is not that close of a relationship, to make a commitment to live a life new, believing him, trusting him? One day, his disciples, when he walked here on this earth, heard him saying that it was very important, expedient, that he goes away. And they were all brokenhearted. They didn't know, they didn't know that he was reading their hearts. As you may not know that he is reading your hearts heart today. He turned to them and he turns to you today. And he said the following words that he is saying to you. Let not your heart be broken. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. But if you were not so I would have told you I will go and prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again to receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Amen? That is the greatest desire of God is to be with his children and he is coming someday soon for us, for you and me. And then he will be not only born in the little manger, in, in the manger in the little town of Bethlehem, but he will also be born in our hearts forever.